Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the NoSillaCast podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, March 17th, 2019, and this is show number 723. This week's Chit Chat Across the Pond was Bart Bouchotts, but it was not an episode of Programming by Stealth. In this installment, Bart and I wanted to talk about his recent blog post on free freemium free for now and what he's calling freepy he says keep tra- it's spelled f-r-e-e-p-i but it rhymes with creepy anyway it's a thoughtful discussion about understanding what kinds of things we're getting for free and how we're actually paying for those things we don't ever suggest what you should do about any of this rather bart is trying to help us better understand what's happening you can find this episode in your podcatcher of choice under chit chat across the pond light or in the full feed of Chit Chat Across the Pond. And of course, you can always go listen at podfeed.com. Apple has announced that they're having some sort of event on March 25th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Steve and I plan on watching, of course, and we're hoping you could join us in the NoSillaCast live chat room at podfeed.com slash chat. We won't be doing any video streaming or any audio chatter to distract you from listening to the announcement. We just like to have people to text chat with and, you know, hear each other's reactions and we can all complain about the feed falling behind and that sort of thing. Anyway, I hope you'll put it in your calendar if it works in your time zone. This week, Steve and I went to CSUN's Assistive Technology Conference, so I've got a couple of interviews for you there and I've got some stories to tell you about the event. I'm going to sprinkle these amongst the regular content, like we've got another review from Alistair Jenks and a review by me. Well, we better dig in. I had a total blast creating my latest tutorial for Screencast Online. It's on the blogging software called MarsEdit from red-sweater.com. This is a fantastic piece of software that I use all the time for creating all of the blog posts you see over on podfeet.com. I got to say, the best part of doing these uh, tutorials for Screencast Online is that it forces me to learn every nuance of the piece of software I'm demonstrating. And I was surprised at how much more this tool could do than I ever realized. Another thing that made it such a joy to work on MarsEdit was the incredible level of response and help I got from the developer, Daniel Jalkett. He's always been responsive to any questions I've asked over the years, so it's not just that he wanted to help someone showcasing his software. I mean, I'm sure that didn't hurt, but he's always been really good at uh, at helping me when I have problems. Even when I ask him the same question I asked him like a year before, he never makes fun of me. <laughs> Not all people are like that, Steve Harris. Anyway, I believe, uh, I really believe in MarsEdit, and creating that tutorial was a fantastic way to up my game with MarsEdit. Screencast Online Tutorials are a subscription service for people who really want to learn and bring up their game in tools for the Mac and iOS. You can get a free seven-day trial and watch the entire back catalog to see if it's for you and watch my MarsEdit tutorial. In the meantime, if you go over to podfeet.com, you can see a teaser video on MarsEdit or go to screencastonline.com. Well, like I told you up front, Steve and I attended the CSUN Assistive Tech Conference, and I want to tell you a little bit about it. You're going to be hearing the very few interviews we did on the exhibit hall floor uh, this week and next week, but we did more than the exhibit hall this year. I'm going to abbreviate the name of the conference to just call it CSUN, as most people do, but it's kind of misleading because CSUN actually stands for Cal State University at Northridge. But just work with me here. CSUN, I mean the CSUN Assistive Tech Conference. Well, normally we only go to the exhibit hall, but this year we were granted full passes to attend the conference's press. I wish we'd been able to spend the entire week there, but we were only there for one day. Right as we walked in, I noticed on the schedule there was a presentation all about the WAVE tool from WebAIM. You may remember me talking about WebAIM just last week. They're the people that wrote the Web 1 Million report about what kind of accessibility problems websites commonly have and provide the WAVE tool to test your own site for accessibility. In case you missed it, the WAVE tool shows little flags on your web page to show you where you're, say, missing alt tags on images, maybe where your contrast is too low, and where you're missing labels on forms and, and more things like that. I had a great time for the last two weeks cleaning up all of the mistakes I've been making on podfeed.com. I did way more after I told you about it, and it's looking pretty good right now. I've got a couple of little things I got to fix still, but other than that, I think it's really good. One of the errors it caught was that the search Im- search bar input form is missing a label, so screen readers can't tell the user what the input is for. This isn't something I can control, though. So I wrote to my theme vendor, Site Origin. 
I really like Site Origin because they responded immediately. They said, got it, heard you, we'll have it fixed in the next version of the theme. Good on them, as I, as uh, Rose would say. Anyway, I thought it would be fun to hear the presentation by WebAIM by a gentleman named Jared Smith. Most of his charts explained what I've already explained to you. He talked about the different panes and what the explanations mean. He talked a lot about how they've worked really hard on the documentation that pops up when you hit the little question marks next to each of the tools. I would agree. They've done a great job on that. He made the point that they tried to be succinct and yet give you enough information to help you understand. And, you know, that's kind of a delicate balance. And I think they really have hit the mark. The one thing they didn't explain very well or didn't have any good explanation of is what is AA versus AAA, but I think they assume people had enough knowledge of what uh, WCAG, the organization that makes these standards, uh, had in mind. So, uh, But I may drop them a note to suggest they write a wee bit more info on that. Anyway, before the presentation started, I went up to Jared to explain that we were there as press, and so we were probably going to duck in and out of a bunch of different sessions so we could cover a lot of the show. I didn't want him to think I was just rude, and the only chairs were in the very front row. But the cool thing was, when I introduced myself, Jared said he'd seen my work on that, on this, on this whole topic. How cool is that? Well, in case uh, you're reading or listening, hi, Jared. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been using WebAM's manual tools for my own site, but Jared explained that they also have tools for business and enterprise. They have something called WaveRunner. This tool will analyze up to 10,000 web pages for only 500 bucks, and then it creates this detailed spreadsheet-style report within five days for your company. They also license their Wave standalone API, and there's also a third-party company called Dynalytics who will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you on getting your websites into compliance. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on enterprise, but if you work for a big company, it might be something to suggest they take a look at. The coolest thing Jared showed us was that they're working on a complete redesign of the interface for the Wave tool. It's entirely functional right now as it is, but to be perfectly frank, it looks a little Windows 95-ish with some help by some open source developers, if you get my drift. Anyway, uh, Jared did a shout out to someone named Claudio in the audience who had come to them suggesting a redesign. Claudio showed them some mock-ups and they were sold. Jared Jared showed us a preview of what it's going to look like And it's going to be beautiful, especially in comparison to what we have now. I think it's going to be much easier to get the hang of using the Wave tool with the new interface. Now, um, they kept asking him when, and he just kept saying, soon. This one woman just kept grilling him going, yeah, so when soon? Is that like in a couple of weeks, couple months, this year? What are you talking about? And he wouldn't budge on that. The one thing that was sad during his presentation was much of the uh, demo where he had some screenshots anyway, he was using the website FCC.gov, a government website, and demonstrating the tool, and you should have seen how riddled it was with errors. Made me really proud of podfeed.com. Well, as is always the case for me at events like this, I learn a lot during the social events. Steve and I had the delight of having lunch with some old and new friends, and of course, we had to talk about geeky tools and what we were learning at the show. Jeff Bishop and I have been online friends forever. He was one of the people who helped me prepare for my blindfolded presentation at Macworld 100 years ago. If you haven't seen that demo, it's still up on our YouTube channel. I did my entire presentation using an iPhone and a Mac while wearing a blindfold. Without the help of people like Jeff, I never could have learned how to use voiceover on two devices so quickly. Well, Jeff is now a Microsoft program manager working on the Windows accessibility team, and he also podcasts and blogs over at iAccessibility.net. Now, Jeff is the kind of person Steve refers to simply as good people. Maybe I like him because he was so complimentary about the podcast we create. I don't know. That might add something to do with it. For example, at the table, we were talking about programming by stealth, and Jeff jumped in with great praise for the show, especially how Bart folds accessibility into it so naturally, not bolting it on, but just making it part of the thread of everything we do there. About a year ago, I did a review of an app called Seeing AI from Microsoft. This is an app that allows the visually impaired to do so many cool things. For example, it can detect light. I remember one guy telling me he can tell if his kids have the light on when he's told them that it's lights out at night. Anyway, it can also, uh, seeing AI can also read short text. It can read documents out loud. It can read barcodes. It can even identify people. I bring it up now because Jeff told us at lunch that uh, seeing AI has been vastly improved and enhanced. 
I'm probably going to do a walk through all of the features, but reading from what the, the what's new in this version in seeing AI, now you can explore photos by dragging your finger around on screen and it'll tell you where things are. That can be really useful. You can also now use Seeing AI with an iPad, and that was never uh, possible before. They've enhanced the person channels so you can teach it someone new directly from the main screen instead of having to make that be a separate effort. Well, I love this app before, and to see it being enhanced so much by Microsoft is really, really cool. You can download Seeing AI for free from the iOS App Store for your iPhone or now your iPad. Well, last year at CSUN, we met Mike DeWeese for the first time, and this year he joined us for lunch along with his lovely girlfriend, Aliha Dudley. By lovely, I don't just mean she was funny and engaging, but also that she's a full-time student getting her degree in computer information systems, and she's a web developer, and she has this really cool seeing eye dog. I mean, that's my kind of people, right? Now, I'm not exactly sure who's in charge of of uh, iaccessibility.net, and I mentioned Jeff was on it, but I know that also she and Mike are heavily involved in that website. Well, Mike and Aliha have an interesting side business as well. They pay for a pretty heavy-duty virtual private server, and from there, they host WordPress installations for people specifically tire- tailored for accessibility. They do all of the updates for users, much like uh, WordPress.com does, so you're free to just get in and start blogging. Mike is also an app developer and has created a Braille reference tool for iOS called Pocket Braille. It's kind of like a cheat sheet for learning Braille with separate tabs for each category of things you need to read or type. There's a tab for alphabet, numbers, punctuation, and contractions. Uh, Some of the tabs are pretty advanced stuff, so for a novice, and especially a sighted novice like me, it's not going to make a lot of sense. But for someone with more experience, or if you maybe if you just stay over on the alphabet side, it's pretty darn cool. Mike is also a shortcuts fanatic and plans to write an app for it, too. In the meantime, he's created a website called Beyond the Gallery, a website dedicated to all things related to Apple's shortcuts. It's really cool. It's very visually interesting, uh, and it's got really fun graphic icons for each shortcut. They're like giant blocks on the page, and you dive into each one, and, and you can see what that shortcut does. He's got shortcuts in categories of developer, entertainment, general, networking, photography, social networking, travel, and utilities. I've been looking for a good place to see shortcuts people actually use, so I plan on poking around in there quite a bit. I tried playing with a shortcut called Website Font Changer, and it's pretty cool. So let's say you go to a site that has a font that's made for teenager eyes. Launch the shortcut, and it asks you, what font size do you want? I really like you can see his JavaScript right under the request for font size. Makes me feel right at home. Anyway, after you enter the font size, it asks for permission to modify that website's pages, and boom, the font is increased. That doesn't work on all websites, but it works on podfeed.com. So go check out Beyond the Gallery at beyondthegallery.app. Isn't that cool? The website is .app. It's because he's going to make it into an app. Finally, during lunch, Shelley Brisbane, author of the book iOS Access for All and host of the Parallel podcast, told us something interesting she'd noticed on the exhibit hall floor. Probably the most common thing you see on the show floor is magnifiers. But what Shelley noticed was that there was that there were companies now using iPads for this. She asked these people why, and the two or three she talked to said, because people have iPads and people want iPads. Kind of a cool little nugget to keep in the back of our minds. Hey, I told you I learned a lot at lunch, right? Well, we went to one more session, and it was really interesting. It was Dr. Michelle Williams, a senior UX researcher, talking about her findings on behalf of the publishing company Pearson about the experiences of U.S. undergraduates and graduate students with disabilities. I wasn't sure what to expect, but it turned out to be pretty interesting. She interviewed 17 students to talk to them about their experience as children from elementary school through college and into graduate school. Now, she didn't have a specific set of uh, questions to start with. She started with some very general questions like, what was it like to go to school? As she went through these interviews, she was able to uncover some really interesting perspectives. Dr. Williams got a widespread of people with different experiences. She had young college students and returning college students. She had male and female interviews. She talked to people who had traumatic brain injuries that affected their memory. She talked to someone in a wheelchair since they were 14. She talked to someone with a couple of different people with severe anxiety and someone with Tourette's. Now, normally a sample set of only 17 interviews wouldn't be considered valid with which to make conclusions, 
but I found her conclusions pretty compelling. I can't reproduce the depth of what she discovered, but she was able to advise Pearson and the schools for whom or for which they make the curriculum on some pretty important topics. Things like length of absences might need to be modified for someone undergoing cancer treatment, and just having an accessibility office might not be of help to someone who believes that it can't help them. Her slides will be available at accessibility.pearson.com, but as of right now, they're not up yet. I need to write to Pearson. It's not a secure site. But anyway, she is continuing her research through online studies, and she encourages people to sign up via a survey she has at SurveyMonkey, and of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, she didn't say how much, but these are paid studies via Amazon gift cards. Go, so go check that out. Well, bottom line is Steve and I always enjoy CSUN's assistive technology conference, and this was no different. Being able to go to the sessions was very interesting, and I hope our coverage will encourage you to learn more about accessibility and the cool tools being developed. Okay, let's take a break from CSUN and have a listen to Alistair Jenks' latest review. Back when I was a teenager, I always used to leave my homework until last thing before bed. I was pretty sure it was just because I was lazy, but the excuse I used to give to my parents was, I do my best thinking late at night. Oddly enough, there was more to my excuse than I realised at the time. I've come to realise I was actually right, and it still applies today. I find I'm at my most creative and constructive in the evening hours and can easily get buried in a technical problem and lose track of my intended bedtime. I'm getting better at keeping an eye on the time and heading off to bed close to when I intended, but sometimes my brain simply refuses to shut down for many hours afterwards. This can make it difficult to relax and, when combined with the everyday worries of life, I sometimes find it very hard to get to sleep. I've come up with two means of combating my sleeplessness. One is to read. I wish my iPhone's LCD screen was less bright but I manage by using night mode in Apple Books and angling the screen away from my face such that it lights up the ceiling more than my eyes. The other thing is I sometimes listen to podcasts. I tend to choose specific podcasts based on the host's voices and tone, something soothing. While the podcast listening avoids soaking my eyes in light and offers the possibility of drifting off to sleep, I do not like the idea of falling asleep with earbuds in my ears. I can imagine damage to my earbuds and to myself and so always end up making a conscious decision to stay somewhat awake and then stop the podcast and then take the earbuds off and put them on my nightstand. While this works sometimes, it's not ideal. Sometime last year, I came across an interesting product via Melissa Davis, a fellow Nocilla castaway also known as the Mac Mommy. Melissa was raving about a product that was designed to solve exactly this problem. After a recent spate of sleeplessness, I touched base with Melissa and began to look seriously at sleep phones from a company called Acoustic Sheep. Sleep phones are marketed as pajamas for your ears. They comprise a soft fleece fabric headband, which is actually a tube. It sits flat around your head when worn, just like a sweatband. Inside the band are three modules, a controller and two speakers. Each of these modules is housed in rugged rubber, which is reasonably soft and flexible. The two speakers connect via wires to a single plug which plugs into the control unit. The wires allow the speakers to be moved around inside the band for optimum positioning. There are several models of sleep phones available. Sleep phones classic has a wire which exits the band and terminates with a 3.5mm audio jack. Sleep phones wireless is the model I purchased. Instead of the protruding wire it has Bluetooth built into the controller meaning everything is self-contained within the band though you have to unplug and remove the controller to charge it. For ultimate convenience, Sleepphone's Effortless adds inductive charging to the Bluetooth module, meaning you can charge the controller without removing it from the band. All models allow you to remove all of the electronics from the band, which means you can easily machine wash the band and keep it clean and comfy. There are also two choices of fabric, a standard fleece and a more breathable breeze fabric. I had decided on getting the Breeze fabric, however when I went to order it was not available for the model and size I had chosen, so I have the fleece. Having recently worn the sleep phones on some of the hottest nights of the summer, I didn't find it to be uncomfortable. I find the charging process for sleep phones wireless to be no more onerous than charging anything else. It can be a wee bit fiddly unplugging and plugging in the controller and getting it in and out of the headband, but I find the trickier task to be positioning the speakers correctly. Because you stretch the headband to put it on and take it off, the speakers tend to move around a little. 
That said, it doesn't take much to learn how to carefully adjust the band itself and the speakers to get a good placement of the speakers over my ears. Once the speakers are well positioned, the sound quality is surprisingly good. I have no trouble hearing voices even at the lowest volume. I do wish the volume would actually go a little lower as I find some music to be a little too loud at the lowest setting. The control unit has three buttons on it. Top and bottom are skip forward and skip back buttons and between them is a combined start stop and power button. It can take a little tactile searching to find the buttons under the fleece but the centre button is quite proud and quite small so you know when you've found it. The comfort of sleep phones is superb. I can lie on my back or side with no concession to the presence of the sleep phones, and there is no discomfort at all. I did find on one occasion that the sound was glitchy and determined this was likely because of the position of the start-stop button at the time, as I was lying on my back and when I turned onto my side the problem stopped. However, I suspect this could have been remedied by slightly moving the control unit as I have not had this problem previously or since. The wireless sleep phones have a battery life of approximately 13 hours. If you can sleep that long, you probably don't need sleep phones. It does mean you can put the sleep phones on and, assuming they have been recently charged, you do not need to worry about them running out of power. In practice, I find I tend to half-wake, realise I've been asleep, and quickly turn them off and slip the band off before sliding back into slumber. Sleep phones are available directly from the manufacturer's website at sleepphones.com. I'm happy to report they also have a New Zealand website, which I purchased from. It is a rare company that sells products directly in New Zealand at a comparable price to their US store, given exchange rate and local tax. But that's what you get from Acoustic Sheep. The prices vary by model, with my wireless one being $99.99 US. While researching this review, I noted that the US site has a lot more products available than the New Zealand site, including one for connecting to a television and one with a built-in microphone. Perhaps so you can talk in your sleep in the knowledge that someone, something, is listening. Well, thanks for that, Alistair. Really appreciate it. Like I said up front, we have three video-slash-audio interviews from CSUN's Assistive Technology Conference, but there was one product where we didn't do an interview, and yet it was a pretty interesting product. The product is called the Retissa Retinal Projection Eyewear from QD Laser. This is a glasses-type piece of eyewear that projects the outside world directly onto your retina using low-powered lasers. I almost said high-powered. That would be a bad idea. Anyway, low-powered lasers. The problem to be solved here is a cloudy cornea or cataracts that normally would occlude your vision. The retissa completely bypasses the lens in your eye and focuses directly onto the retina without using your lens or anything. I tried the on the Retissa eyewear, and in a tiny projection screen on my right eye, I could see very clearly whatever they pointed me toward. The gentleman showing it to me was holding a deck of card side box, and with controls on the box, he could zoom in and out for me. Next, he began playing a video for me. I'm not quite sure where the source was, but it was a video of a turtle swimming in the ocean, and it was extremely sharp in my vision. Finally, they showed that they could control what I was seeing via a connected iPad using the camera to project the image onto my retina. Now, you may be wondering why we didn't do an interview, and it was because both of the gentlemen that we were talking to had a great deal of trouble pronouncing English words, and it took quite a while talking to them to understand what they were telling us. But I don't think it would have been a good audio interview. Well, anyway, at the end of this, I wanted to take a picture of the eyewear, and one of the men kind of held my hand and kept moving my iPhone closer and closer to the inside of the glasses until I was essentially touching that area where this little optical area was that my eye was normally in front of. So he was putting me way too close, and I was going to try to explain to him, my iPhone can't focus that close until I realized that their laser focusing technology was sending a perfect signal to the lens on my iPhone. That really showed me that there was something interesting going on here. I put a couple of photos in the show notes so you can see what I mean. Now, this isn't the kind of product you're going to go out and buy for yourself, but rather a proof of concept. And many of these products we saw were only available through your vision specialist, and this is definitely in that category. Anyway, it was really cool to see these advancements in technology every year at CSUN. I talk a lot about Patreon as a way to help support the Podfeed podcast, but if that model doesn't sit right with you, there's another way to help. 
You can be like Kurt, who gets value out of the shows, and he demonstrated his appreciation this week by going to the big PayPal donation button over on podfeed.com. His contributions will help make it possible for us to keep bringing you the high-quality shows we've been making for nearly 14 years. If you want to remember how to get there, go to podfeet.com slash PayPal. Thanks, Kurt, for your contribution to the Podfeet podcast. I'm in the assistive wear booth, and I'm about to talk to, wait for it, Barbara von at Westende from the Netherlands, and we're going to say hi to Helma and Joop while we're here. How are you doing today, Barbara? I'm fine. How are you? Did I pull off your name pronunciation okay? You did it very good. (laughs) All right. So Barbara has a 12.9-inch iPad Pro, it looks like, in her her hand here, and she's got a product called Proloco to Go. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. And Proloco to Go is an AAC app. AC. AAC for augmentative and alternative communication. So it's, it's an app you can use if you can't communicate like you and I do by using speech. Um, it's a symbol-based AAC app. And for people who know AAC, the, the word symbol-based will be clear, I think. Okay, but, but none of my listeners, no. or maybe only a few will. Yeah. So symbol-based means you use pictures to communicate. Okay. Um, the app- you ta- tap on images on the screen yeah. to say what you want to say. Yeah, true. So I, if I tap the word like... And maybe we can hear it. Like. It will say like or want, need, go, stop, take. So she's tapping on icons that show little a little person taking a box. Somebody holding their hands out to a box was for want. Stop was a stop sign. Yeah. Yeah, true. So um, you tap pictures to to communicate, and it's important if we start communication like you and I do that you can communicate in all communication communication function there are. So it's not only about requesting; it's also about commenting or take a discussion. And to do that, you have to use uh, a lot of words, and the most important words are core words, and those are the words that are on the first page that are not nouns. So uh, verbs are core words, and verbs will tell you or the other that I want something or like something or I need something or I want to say something. Or so those something. are the most important words? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's I noticed some are pink and some are green and some are black. What are the green ones? Uh, that are different kind of words and now you have me because I don't know. <laughs> Actually, English you know, word for it. You know what I think they are? I think there are a lot of them are um, uh, prepositions. Yeah. So it's to, with, in, for, yeah, two, two. It's a little difficult for me to <laughs> to remember yes. the English. Nouns, yeah. verbs, prepositions. Yeah, yeah. And and the, uh, here, down below there are different folders. So if I go into the food folder, did you see it? I will do it again. If I go to in food folder, you will see that a lot of core words will stay in the same place. So people can remember by motorical learning where the pictures are. Okay, I'm gonna do one here. Yeah. Wait, no, yeah. you got keep me in food. Keep me in food. I. Where is it? Uh, no, no, there it is. Want ketchup. Yeah, there we no, go. Press, I want ketchup. Text button. The text button? I want ketchup. And then say the whole sentence. Oh, I see that. I didn't understand that. I want ketchup. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what if you've got a word that, that you need to use that uh, what I want to say is MacBook Pro? How would I how would I say that if I needed had this device? Because I bet whoops, I bet that isn't in here. No, let's wait and see. We have a search function, always handy. And let's see if there is a MacBook. Oh, there was oh. Macintosh computer. The Macintosh computer was there. Okay, so it shows you the path you have to take to go to that words. So at Macintosh computer it says it's it's in things. Then go to computers. And there it is. Computer. I love it, and it's a, the the icon is a uh, is the original yeah. Mac. That's fantastic. <laughs> but let's say I wanted now I wanted to say MacBook Pro. How would I? Could I make my own icon? Yes, you can make your own icon. Let's make another one in this folder. So we're in the folder things. Um, let's go over here and say I want to make a new button. So you press the plus. That's yes. for a new button. Add a picture. I will choose a symbol. Let's say she's typing in the word computer, and she's oh sorry oh, I saw one. Oops, oh. she bumped a button. Oh, that's fine. We can leave yeah, that. Okay. We saw that there was computer you as an option. Okay. You can choose between different uh, pictures. Right. So, yeah. Right. 
So now can I record my own voice? Yes, you can record your own voice. And you will do. So I will press the red button and you will say it. Okay. MacBook Pro. Let's listen to it. MacBook Pro. Oh, there we go. Not too bad. So you will see there's an audio recording over there. I will give it a label because we have to know what the Mac... MacBook, that's probably good MacBook. enough. Okay, and then we'll say it's done. And then it's there. MacBook Pro. Oh, and very good. Say, I want MacBook Pro. I want MacBook Pro. <laughs> Everybody does. That is yeah, fantastic. So I noticed there's probably it's it's kind of quiet in here, but this is pretty loud. Do you have control over the volume on this? Yes, we have control over the vol- volume, so I can choose for my own if I want a soft, loud, or shout function. Um, so we made the sentence, I want MacBook Pro, and let's say, okay, we, we're going to shout it, and I hope you can hear it. I want MacBook Pro. It's louder if you're in a more quiet environment. But sure. it, there's, there's a big t- difference between uh, loud and shout. And okay, there are very a lot good. of kids who like to use shout. Oh, I bet <laughs> yeah. the kids love it. I love it. Yeah. And now, now if I've made uh, MacBook Pro and I'm the teacher, is there a way for me to um, share that with other people, that, yeah. that icon? Yeah, you can share that with other people. Oh, MacBook Pro. <laughs> so let me see. It was in Things. Uh, it was in computers. There it is. So if I now select that button, it gets a blue thing and I can share it. And I can say, okay, I can share it by iTunes, but I also can share it by iDrop. And that's the most easy one. Oh, okay, so just throw it up on AirDrop. Yeah. For, so if you're in a classroom, even without Wi-Fi. If I can open oh, she's my... one-handed. She's going to yeah. try to do it. Okay, oh, does this run on the iPhone too? This one on the iPhone too. Oh, okay. That's that's fantastic because not everybody has a twelve point. Here, let me hold this. Can you trust me with your? Yeah. yeah I oh will, wow. I will. So let me say I want to export it through AirDrop. And she's going to tap export, and, and she's got her way. iPhone waiting. Oh, that's not. A, uh, let me see if I'm. Wait, there. that's at assistive wear. Yeah, this is my iPhone. It's okay, my personal iPhone, so okay. I will say. And it says, "Okay, I want like to accept it." Yes, and but it was in Dutch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm from the Netherlands. Sorry. <laughs> and no, now, we like that. And now it's over here. So I go to things on my iPhone. Are you okay with iPad? Yes. Computers. And let me see where it is. Where did he put it? It's... Oh, it's got a funny icon, remember. Yeah. Let's search for it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. No, well, he airdropped it to my iPhone. Sure. Yeah. So those icons are really small yeah, on the phone. They're too small for a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, you should choose another grid size. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe a maybe a regular iPad would yeah. work as well. Yeah, it does. It well, it works on iPhone. It works on iPads. It works on iPods. It works on iPad Pro. Actually, for the children, they can still see that small, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you come become older, nay, that's that's true. That's true. Not so much. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time with this. And where would people find this? Uh, if you go to our website, www.assistiveware.com, you can find all the information about our products. So we have different... We'll also have some other products you can find there. There's also a big part that's called Learn AAC. And there's everything about information about AAC you can use in your classroom to tell your teachers or your parents. And it's also there in Spanish. So I think that's that's great. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time, Barbara. You're welcome. Thank you. Now that we in the Apple community have gotten a taste for wireless charging, we want it on all the things. We're not content to have just our Apple Watch and iPhones charge wirelessly. We want our AirPods to charge wirelessly too. Great news though. In September of 2017, Apple promised us AirPower. This magical device will bring us a charging mat where we can just throw down any one of these three devices and they will magically charge. But then 2018 kind of came and went and still no air power. The spring is nearly gone in 2019 and still we grumble that about how we have to plug in our AirPods like animals. Well, the long interminable wait is over, but it didn't come from Apple. And it doesn't cost $150 like uh, the predictions are saying for air power. And it doesn't require us to buy new AirPods to wirelessly charge. I'm talking about the Ampere Unravel. 
You may remember Steve and me interviewing Ampere co-founder Chase Larson at CES, and his description of Unravel sounded magical. Well, after talking to Chase, I knew I needed to buy Unravel for myself. Ampere chose to go with the crowdfunding model for Unravel, and under normal circumstances, I would never suggest buying that way. But when Chase sold, told us at CES that they were actually shipping the product, I decided to check it out. Turns out they're selling both through Indiegogo and Kickstarter at the same time, which seems kind of weird. Both campaigns are way more than funded. Their Indiegogo campaign has raised $640,000, and their Kickstarters raised another $385,000 for combined backing of over a million dollars. So clearly people want to get this. I got to tell you, if you have to choose which one to go to, if you're visually impaired, definitely go to the Indiegogo page because all of the information on the different products on the Kickstarter page are in one giant long graphic, which makes it 100% inaccessible. So I did write to Chase suggesting that that was super dumb, but it's fine. Go over to Indiegogo and it works great over there. Well, I now have Unravel in my hot little hands so we can talk in detail about the product. Unravel is three separate sections, each three and a half inch square with three 10 watt charging pads, not three on each, three total. Anyway, the three sections are hinged together and you can fold it so that all three uh, sections are stacked or you can unravel it to fold out flat. You can also fold it into a triangle so you've got an easel for holding and charging two devices at a time. Unravel is black and comes in different accent colors. I chose baby blue accents for Steve and a red one for me. Each section of Unravel has a ring of this accent color designating where the Qi charging coils are. Before I go further into the explanation, let me explain how to use Unravel. You plug it into power, drop any Qi charging capable device onto one of the circles, and you'll see a little blue light turn on showing you that your device is charging. Now, one of the problems Apple is struggling with, as explained by Renee Ritchie, is that air power is supposed to let you drop your devices anywhere on the charging pad, which means they have to make the coils work everywhere, no matter whether it's a phone or a watch or AirPods. In contrast, on Unravel, one of the three sections comes with a little white sticker showing a watch symbol in the center. That section has the magnetic watch puck built into it. The good news is that this section can also charge a phone, solving the problem that reportedly has been plaguing Apple. Now, if you don't like the sticker for the watch, you can take it off, and that'll reveal a hemispherical indent so you can still tell it's the one for the watch, especially by feel. Ampere has tried to make buying Unravel as flexible as possible. For example, you can buy Unravel without a charger block. Now, that sounds crazy, but it does make sense. You see, Unravel charges over USB-C, and the charger they sell is a 60-watt power delivery, or PD, charger, which is the same as the charger that comes with the 13-inch MacBook Pro. So if you already have a charger, why should they make you buy another one? Now, I couldn't resist the temptation to experiment charging Unravel or using Unravel to charge things with some USB-C cables and chargers I had lying around. I knew it would be no contest to test it with the 87-watt beast of a charger for my 15-inch MacBook Pro, but what about the dainty 29-watt charger that came with my 12-inch MacBook Pro? I put two iPhone XSs on Unravel with the 29-watt charger along with my Apple Watch, and all three triggered the little blue lights to come on, and the devices reported that they were charging. Now, I certainly didn't get 10 watts on each of the pads, but my Apple Watch didn't need that many watts. Well, next up, I tried the even more diminutive 17-watt USB-C iPad Pro charger. Yep, still charge the two iPhones and the watch. If it were for all the whining about all the math I've been getting on the podcast lately, David, I'd walk through calculating how much I was actually drawing on those devices, but let's just leave that for the student. In any case, you're going to have different chargers than me, and maybe you're going to have an Android phone you want to charge, so you can do the experiments on your own. Now, speaking of charging, realize that if you do buy the charger block for Unravel, you now have a spare charger for your 13-inch MacBook Pro, MacBook, and iPads, and of course, non-Apple USB-C PD devices that you own. That's pretty cool. When you check out, you get to choose what country plugs you want. They have the US, UK, EU, Australia, Hong Kong, and Singapore. I've been teasing you by not telling you about the cost. I'm going to quote the Indiegogo pricing because the Kickstarter, Kickstarter page is so hard to read, inaccessible, and they don't have it as many product options available. So get this, under the Indiegogo campaign, 
One Unravel is only $69. If you want that MacBook Pro capable charger, it's only 20 bucks more at $89. Think about it. A charger for your phones and watch for $89 and you've got a spare MacBook Pro charger. Crazy inexpensive. Now, they imply by their marketing on Indiegogo that this will be $139 later instead of $89, but I contend that even at that, that'd be a killer price. Now, the reason I bought Steve and me our own Unravels, when probably one would have been enough, is because they're selling two Unravels with two chargers and travel cases for Unravel or the charger, all for a total of $139 right now. That's only $70 a piece with the charger. Seriously. By the way, I thought the travel case would carry both Unravel and its charger, but you notice the way I said it, it's the way they said it on their website, it actually says OR. That was a dis- kind of a disappointment to me. I wanted a case for both uh, the, the Unravel and the cable. I don't think Unravel by itself needs a case because it feels pretty indestructible. I think I'll probably use the case as a way to package the charger and its USB-C cable to reduce clutter in my travel bag. There's a bunch of other combos you can buy on the Indiegogo site. They have a three pack. Uh, they also have a, they sell a USB-C power bank. So you can make this a true, truly mobile setup for charging. I think they have a deal if you want to buy 10 too. Okay. Now the alert amongst you will remember that I was comparing Unravel to AirPower, which in theory, if the unicorn ever ships, will also charge a yet unannounced generation two set of AirPods with Qi charging built into the new case. So how does Unravel charge the current version of AirPods? If you go through the process of buying Unravel, after you choose your color and plugs and case color, they'll offer to sell you a Qi charging case for your AirPods that they call Pods Wireless Charging Case. Imagine an AirPods case that was 16 to 18% thicker and taller and wider, and inside that case, you can see a little lightning connector sticking up. You slide the original AirPods case into the Ampere Pods case and they mate on that connector. The Pods case has a Qi coil on the back, which allows you to charge their AirPods wirelessly. Now, since it's the industry standard Qi charging in in this Pods case, you can charge your AirPods on any Qi charger, not just Unravel. I tested it on a cheap easel charger for my iPhone. I charged it on the Bezalel charging pad I reviewed a couple of years ago. And of course, on Unravel, it also worked perfectly. Like any wireless charging, this is going to be slower than using the cable. Speaking of the cable, once you put your AirPods case inside the Pods Qi case, you will no longer have access to the lightning connector, so you cannot charge with the cable. Now, it is possible to get the original AirPods case out of the new one, but you have to know the trick. The lid of the Ampere Pods case has a little rubber hinge because the top has to slip over the real AirPods case. If you open the lid on the Pods case and sort of jiggle it around on that rubber hinge, the AirPods lid will be stiff and it will pop out of the Pods lid. Now you can grip the AirPods case to pull it out. The pairing button is also replicated on the back of the Ampere Pods case, so you can still pair to non-Apple devices with the new AirPods case. Not needed all that often, but nice that it's there. One other thing. I didn't see anywhere in the packaging that the lightning cable in the, uh, the, uh, in the Ampere Pods wireless charging case, charging case was Apple MFI certified. So, you know, decide how you feel about that. I'd also love to tell you how much the Pods case cost from Ampere, but I forgot to note it when I bought it and it looks like they didn't charge me for it at all. I have my invoice and I just paid the $139 for two unravels, two cases and two chargers plus $5 shipping and no tax. I mentioned in the very beginning that you can lay Unravel flat on a table, but you can also fold it up into a triangle. When you do this, the side with the watch charger and one other side have a little flip-out thingy that lets you stand up your phone. If you have it in portrait mode, Unravel doesn't come up far enough on the iPhone XS to engage the Qi charging. Might on a different type of phone, though, maybe a smaller phone. You You can't put your phone in landscape mode on the little easel, and the charging will engage. I recommend buying Alistair Jenks' awesome Night Clock iOS app, link in the show notes, and using Unravel as your stand so you have a clock that dims at night. It's Steve's favorite travel clock. You can also stick your Apple Watch to the magnetic puck side with Unravel in its triangular shape, and it'll actually hang there in nightstand mode. The magnet is strong enough. Now, I'm not sure I'd buy the Unravel case given the chance to do this over again. In fact, 
they forgot to include Steve's case, and I asked for my money back on it rather than have them send me another one. Not sure I have a complaint, though, since I got the AirPods case for free. Anyway, I haven't gotten a response out of them yet, and I did escalate to the COO, and he hasn't responded either, which kind of gives me pause about what you can expect in terms of customer service. I did get an email in January explaining that the travel cases were on back order and it would delay shipment of my entire order. Maybe they threw in the pods case as a bonus because I didn't get the case? I don't know. Well, the bottom line, though, is that Ampere Unravel itself is a fantastic device that's flexible to your needs, really inexpensive, and for an extra 20 bucks, you get a MacBook Pro-level charger. Having Qi charging for my AirPods using Ampere's pods case is awesome, and I definitely recommend both of these products. I'm in the Occutech booth with Sarah Lovejoy, and... I'm holding in my hand a, uh, a little tiny rectangular box, weighs pack practically nothing, that apparently has a lens in it. And Sarah's going to tell us what I'm holding and what would, uh, what kind of products they make here at Occutech. We uh, make bioptics, and you are holding a capillary. Wait, what's a bioptic? It's a telescope. She's already used two words I don't know. What is a bioptic? So it's a telescope, and it's going to attach the top of your glasses, and it allows you to see distance vision. So, okay. And we, I like distance vision. Don't yeah. have a lot of that. So, and um, uh, we have right here our um, our manual focus bioptics, and we have these right here are our uh, fixed focus, but they give you a wider field of view. So we're going to describe everything for the people who are listening and not not viewing. So she's got something's got uh, two fairly wide angle looking uh, lenses on the outside, uh, focusing mechanisms, I guess, and then it's a clip on. What's amazing is how light these things are. So you clip these on your glasses. That's man- that's no focus, you're saying? This is, yeah, fixed focus. Fixed focus, so focus okay. These are better for people with 2100 vision or less. Um, 2100? Yeah, acuity. 2100 or less. Okay. And then they go up to, are, these go up to a 6x power. And that one she's got is, is monocular. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... Um, it will attach to the top of your glasses, and you'll look through the carrier lens normally, and then when you want to see something at a distance, you tilt your head down. Okay, so it's exactly the opposite of, of the way you would use bifocals. Yes. It's sitting above her line of vision. She's looking straight out, and then if she tilts her head down, then she can see at a distance. Yep, straight through the lens. And there's a tiny little focusing dial on the front of it. It's really easy to grab and focus. I was able to see distance quite easily with that. Yep. We, that's the that's our goal is to make it as easy as possible for both uh, the prescriber, the doctor, to prescribe to a patient, and for the patient to uh, work. So um, you guys started talking about driving with these. Yes. So forty-seven out of fifty states have bioptic driving laws. And meaning it's legal or illegal? It's legal. Okay. Yeah. Um, so some, all the states are different. Some states say that you cannot use these to pass your, the driving test, the written test, but that you can use them um, as a tool while driving. I think you mean the driving test, not the written test. Yeah. No, the written for the driving exam. Yeah. Yes. Does that, you <laughs> said the writing test. <laughs> nope. You no, can't wear not, glasses for the writing no, test. No, not okay. at all. <laughs> Sorry, it's early in the morning, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's really awesome because... Um, they do like you drive with these yes and, okay uh, it, it enables people to maintain their independence you know there there's usually some restrictions but you know you get can get to Certain the speeds or mm-hmm. speed uh during the day usually you can't do night driving that's um, when you need those glasses though that's right <laughs> um but it's you know you want to go to the grocery store you want to go see your grandchildren you want to go to church they're 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 good for okay so yeah. you've got you've got uh fixed focus You've got a manual focus and you've actually got an, an autofocus yes. version here. Now it's got, this looks like it's got, uh, it's a little bit bigger mechanic or thing that hooks on your glasses and it's also got a, uh, maybe a glasses case size, but very thin flat box with blue lights yes. and a cable. This it's, is a lot more complicated. It is, but it's, it's the new kit on the block and it was, it's been in the making for six years. It uses infrared technology and I should be wearing that actually. It focuses, uh, you're going to have to hold the mic while I do it. All right. And narrate. Oh, oh. I know. I'm asking a lot. You're of getting it. crazy here. I'm just trying to see what I can get <laughs> to do. All right. So what it's going to do, too, it'll focus almost immediately from 13 inches to optical infinity. So I can't see anything. Where's my hand? There we'll have to, yes. We'll have to. Oh, okay. Yeah, there. Okay. I'm looking at my ring. I've got my ring, and I'm going to switch and look at Steve. Yep. And Steve is in focus. That's All right. Really fast. Yes, it works. 
<laughs> Alpha Centauri. Yeah. Um, that's a Brian Regan joke. Steve's doing that. Oh yeah, but I, I mean, I'm I'm focusing on a on a sign pretty far away. It kind of comes and goes, but yeah, that is that is tack sharp. Yeah. Now that's on my right eye. Can this be flipped over, over to look at the left eye? Yep. Oh, I should be talking into the microphone. Your microphone work needs to Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm new at this. <laughs> I kind of like it. So this has, this uh, little glasses size thing, it looks like it's got a nice little clip there. You can clip it on your uh, on your belt or mm-hmm. throw it in your purse, I suppose. And the, the battery life is eight hours. Eight hours. Is, oh, wow. So yeah. you could really wear this all day long. Yeah. Now, the, the, uh, I noticed that the... Um, angle of view is very very small in this i'm looking through a tiny tunnel correct yes and that's just a that's just called optics right that's a series of prisms and mirrors that are going to give you i mean the higher the power you go unfortunately the the less field of view right right so um you guys don't sell these directly you sell these through practitioners through eye doctors is that the way this works we're the manufacturer manufacturer and um, we sell it to the the doctor the low vision specialist okay yeah. and the the price range from uh the monofocus is around so we go from uh, about around a thousand to and then the autofocus is around four thousand all right great well this has been really interesting again the company is ocutech o-c-u-t-e-c-h is at ocutech.com oh there you go <laughs> all right we're a great team <laughs> we got it going thank you very much thank for you Well, that's going to wind us up for this week. Do not forget to send in your dumb questions, comments, and suggestions. How do you do that? You email me. I had a guy ask me who'd listened to the show for years, how do I send you an email? I literally say it every week. Allison at podfeet.com. Pretty easy to figure out too. If you want to follow me on Twitter, what do you think it is? At podfeet. If you want to find our Facebook group, podfeet.com slash Facebook. You want to join our Slack community, podfeet.com slash Slack. You want to donate through Patreon? podfeet.com slash Patreon. How about that PayPal donation? podfeet.com slash PayPal. You want to use our, uh, let's see, the live chat for the 25th? podfeet.com slash chat. You want to use the Amazon affiliate links? podfeet.com slash Amazon. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you want to see, it's podfeet.com slash whatever that thing is. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways. We miss you this week, Kevin. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.